So Matthew's going to share a word that's kind of about freedom and a priesthood that we want to deposit. Then Tim and I are going to dig in on the Word of God, and I hope you have your Bibles ready. We're going to do some equipping in that. Amen. Let me just pray again. I just needed to, sh- I felt like the Lord wanted to say this. I sometimes get nervous, but I actually had a rush of anxiety just fill me. And I, because f- we're going to talk about freedom. And I feel like the Lord's like, yeah, you need to just speak that out. Because I want to say, I think the Lord wants to bring freedom in the next 10 to 12 minutes. So let me pray. So God, we just pray, Jesus, for this, again, this weekend, as we think of our freedom in this country. But Jesus, you desire way more spiritual freedom for us. And we know the enemy has done much to keep us in bondage and in slavery. So lead us. Open our hearts, God, for these few minutes. In your name we pray. Amen. So I, I get fascinated by, by greatness. And, and I, I think about that often. And, and, and celebrities and how they spend their money and what they do. And so I was just thinking, could you imagine if uh, Bill Gates, or do you guys know Elon Musk? Is anybody following Elon Musk? He is nuts, isn't he? But he is amazing. But could you imagine these are arguably, or you know, to go back and forth, the richest people in the world. They're worth hundreds of billions of dollars. And could you imagine one of them, now Elon has lots of sons, I don't know about Bill, I don't know his family, but him saying, Hey, I am looking for a partner. Anybody can apply, but I need a a right hand. I need a number two. I need a partner for my company. I'm going to train you, and you're going to get all my wealth, my whole inheritance. You just need to apply and show up. Do you think that would send a frenzy in America? They said, like, literally, I'm going to share it all with you. Everything I have, I'm going to give you all my expertise on computer. You're going to have every key. You're going to have access to everything. Well, I'm going to talk just briefly tonight in this about how we can be free to be priests, to be ministers to the Lord, because that's actually what has happened, isn't it? That the Lord is preparing a partner, an eternal partner, a bride, to reign and rule with him. And it is not a glorious, beautiful-looking, angelic being. It's not the cherubim. It's not the seraphim that fly around the throne. It's not all of these elders, all these things that we read in Revelation. And It's us. It's humanity. He has chosen humanity to be his partner, to be his bride, to be a kingdom of priests. It's been the design from the beginning of Genesis all the way to the end of Revelation. This is the storyline. Is How does the Lord say, how do I get a people for my possession that they can live with me, they can be one with me, they can look, look like me, and they can reign and rule with me? And so that... Just not going to teach much on what it means to be a priest, but I've been reading Samuel Whitfield. He's amazing. Um, And he's out of IHOP. And he has these three things that describe what priests are. And I just want to mention them. Each, this could be its own sermon, but this is what priests do. First, before I get to those three, priests stand on behalf of God, right? Priests go up to the mountain of God on behalf of people. They minister to God, and then they also look this way. 
So these are the three roles. It says one, priests have access to encounter the presence and knowledge of God. And let me say, we're all priests because we're in the New Testament. Priests have access to enter the presence of God. Number two, priests instruct by speaking about the knowledge of God and living in a way that reflects that knowledge. So priests have this intimacy with the Lord. They see his beauty. Then they become like God. They actually, by their, by, in the Old Testament, it had been how they wore their clothes and they acted. But we actually are peculiar people. We're holy And then three priests cultivate a context where others can encounter the knowledge of God. Sam, as I was reading that third one, I was thinking what we're talking about house churches. That as you learn to be a priest, you actually cultivate a place where the presence of God is hosted in, whether it's in, if you're stewarding a, a building, a house, I mean, sorry, a church, or in your house, wherever you're at, you're stewarding the presence and people can then be invited into that space. So this is our role. We are a kingdom of priests that will reign and rule forever. But here's the problem. Sin obviously has came to mess that up. Mess mess it up in many, many ways. But just briefly what I felt the Lord wanted to say is there's, there's many ways the enemy lies. But I've been thinking about this and just really simple is that the enemy wants us to be distorted how we view God. And just the two I was meditating on is that he's not good and he's not loving. Think if that's your lens towards the Lord. If you view that he's not good, that he, that he doesn't have your goodness in mind and he doesn't really love you, how does that work in your priestly role? Would you take time to go, well, I'm going to go hang out with this God the Father. It's like, well, no, actually I'm not. Because you're not good, you're mean, you do bad things, and you don't love. And so I'm going to do everything else. You see how that works. And then what we do, so we have that view, I believe, that he's not good, he's not loving. And then what we do is we put on clothes of shame, and we hide in fear. There's lots more we could say. I'm just keeping it really simple. We put then clothes of shame on. Because we want to be hidden. And we see this from the beginning in the garden. As soon as Adam and Eve sinned, what happened? They're protecting themselves. They're nervous. They're embarrassed. Your two-year-old, you don't have to teach them when they've been learning to be potty trained. You don't teach them to hide, do you? It just happens. When they mess up, they go and run and hide. They don't come and say, Mommy, I peed my pants again. No, they're embarrassed. They have shame. They run. This is the human condition that we are lied to, that God doesn't love. He's not good. He's not loving us. So therefore, I've got to put these clothes of shame on. And then I'm fearful of God. This is, I think, what humanity finds itself in all the time. And we could play out many, many scenarios where this is true. So we get to Isaiah 61. It's one of the, my favorite chapters in the Bible. I'm going to read just a few verses. So verses 1 and 2 is the gospel. This is what Jesus came, he announced. said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Isaiah is writing, whatever, 800 years before 
But this is Jesus, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God and to comfort all who mourn. So we could unpack lots of that. But I was meditating when Sam asked me, and then these two verses are what hit me. See, we, we come from a, a life of devastation We've all been broken and we're going out to preach the gospel. When Bob and Kel and others walk on Broadway, we're walking and literally looking at people that have their lives so devastated. That if you said, do you know you're made to reign and rule with God? Do you know you're made in the image? Do you know how beautiful you are? They're like, what are you talking about? They can't fathom that. Because they're so marred by sin, they're so broken, they can't imagine that somebody's good, that thinks they're beautiful and wants to bring freedom. So the first part is we need to preach the gospel. The gospel is the first part, that Jesus came, he took on flesh, he came and he took on all our brokenness, all our sin. He, cared, he came and when he went in the grave, he rose from the grave and gave us freedom. It's the good news. It's the gospel of what Jesus has done. That would be enough, wouldn't it? Amen? Just to be free from sin, just to receive mercy right now, is that not enough? But then what does he say? So many phrases we could unpack, but listen to what he says. In verses 6 and 7, he says, you will be called priests of the Lord. All of us, this role that we messed up, this eternal where we don't deserve it, suddenly he's like, no, you're going to be my priests. And you will be ministers of God. So let me just say, we're going to be doing that forever. We're going to learn to minister to the Lord forever and ever. We're going to be his priests. And then I love this. It says, you will feed on the wealth of the nations and their riches. You will boast. I don't know what that's going to be like. But see, that's a really big deal. If you were from Israel and you're reading this, that's a really big deal because Israel so much because of their bondage was enslaved. And you know what the other kings would do? They would come and they would charge Israel and they'd say, you have to give us whether it was a 10% or 20% tax. You need to pay so we don't come and take you off to war. The tribute... And so they're under this bondage. Israel's under this. And they're reading this when Isaiah's prophesying. They're like, wait, I'm going to be a priest again. Right now, I'm in complete bondage. I may be living even in Babylon right now. But you're telling me someday I'm going to reign and rule again. I'm going to be a priest. And I'm going to eat and feed on the wealth of the nations. Like God's like, yeah, actually... All that you see being wasted right now, all that money, someday you're going to reap a reward and there's going to be inheritance. I don't know what that actually looks like, Sam. Maybe we could guess, but it's pretty cool to think about that. And then it keeps going. He says, then instead of your what? What do I put clothes of what on? Shame. He said, instead of your shame, you will receive not like a, a little bit, a double portion. So what was robbed of you, I'm actually going to give back double. And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And you will inherit a double portion in your land. And everlasting joy will be yours. How many have ever lost something? 
in their life, an inheritance, a spiritual, have been broken, have been robbed of something. You say, I'm missing out right now. I should have had something. How many of you lost a marriage? You've lost a spouse. Like real things have been taken from us. The enemy is out to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus has came to restore us, to restore you. And he's not just content to wipe out your sins. That is so good on itself to not have to go to hell. That's the good news. But he's like, I actually want to restore you and I want you to be my bride and I want you to be partners with me and I'm going to give you double back everything you've lost. Everything, all your dignity that you lost. Everything that you've squandered that you messed up and someone else did to you. All the impurities you had to go through. He says, I'm going to make you double pure. So what's the key to walking out this freedom? I, I love healing and deliverance ministry. And, and there's lots of techniques, right? We could talk about breaking agreements, repentance, forgiveness, generational sins, all of it. But the Lord's been revealing in the last week something that the key that it starts and it's called beholding him. When we behold Jesus, I think that's the start to our freedom. Yes, at some point then maybe we repent. Yes, at some point we probably do forgive. I want to just finish these last couple minutes on what it means to behold the Lord. Psalm 34, 5 said, Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces are never covered with shame. So here's the deal with this. As we have been lied to our whole lives, that Jesus is not worth looking, that he's mad at you, He's disgusted with you that you've blown it. Maybe you believed it, but then it's like, well, finally you crossed over. Like, well, that was, like, those sins were covered, but that one wasn't. And you've been lied over and over, and then you believe that he's not good, he's not loving. So how can I ever look at his face? How can I ever stare at him because he is going to reject me? And so, brothers and sisters, what I'm encouraging you is to get in the word and start renewing our minds and start saying, okay, I'm gonna, have to, I'm gonna have to trust what the Bible says, not trust me, but that in beholding the Lord, he's gonna set me free. Why is that? Because he's the most beautiful. Can you imagine staring right now? We do it dimly. Right now, I, I'm in the word and I do it. And you know, once in a while you get a little, whoo, my heart comes alive. But I don't see very good. And so I, I, I pray, God, open the eyes of my heart, Ephesians 1. And I, I read Revelation 1. I read Ezekiel, these passages. I'm like, what is going on up there? Lord, help me to see you. I look at uh, Exodus maybe 33 or 34, and it, it's after this sin. And then Moses, this intercessor, he steps before the Lord. He said, pass your goodness in front of me, he asks. And so I say, Lord, pass your goodness in front of me. And I look and I see God moving. So I'm asking and wondering, have you beheld the Lord? Or what keeps you from beholding him? Maybe you're afraid and so then it's, guess what? 
this would be a message if I was preaching to ministry. It's really good, easy to be busy in ministry, isn't it? It's really easy to be busy in work, and it's really easy to be religious and moral and know lots of great things and not know Jesus because of something deep within. So I'm wondering who wants freedom tonight? Anybody want freedom? Yeah, we want freedom, don't we? And let's behold him. So I, I don't know what I'm doing. I think we're just going to try to behold him, Sam. I'm going to read a little scripture. As it comes, I'm created in his image. You guys are you're created in the image of God. God fashioned your heart, your very heart, where your mind, your will, your innermost being. He fashioned that. He designed that. And he places his presence. And then we pray, Lord, open the eyes of my heart, and I don't know how it all happens. It's a miracle. The Spirit's in me, but he wants to reveal himself to you. And so I'm just wondering, if you want to close your eyes, we're going to just do this for a minute or two, actually. And then I'm going to close, and then we'll move on. But I just believe the Lord would want to set somebody free right now. As you take the courage... So just take a deep breath in and release any nervousness. Sometimes we're like, wow, what am I doing? Just take a deep breath in and release that. And then just simply just say, Jesus, open the eyes of my heart. Just pray that. Say, Jesus, open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to know you. Say, help my faith right now. And then here's the question you can just start to meditate on. Just simply say, Jesus, what lie have I believed about you? What lie? Maybe about your goodness, that you don't love me, or what lie have I believed about myself? And just take 30 seconds just to let him reveal that. Just keep staring at the Lord. Even as he speaks, we just feel his pleasure, his goodness. If he speaks a word, if you feel fear, then that may not be him. It could be condemnation. That would not be the Lord. The Lord just speaks gentle words, sometimes firm. And just if he spoke a lie, just if you heard that, just repent. Just repent of that. And then just again, you're doing this by faith, saying, Lord, I want to see you. I want to know who you are. And so, Jesus, I bless my friend. This is just a small exercise. I know we could do this a long time, but God, bless. Set us free, God. Teach us to behold you. Teach us to behold you, God. And then in these encounters that we get get consumed with your face, consumed with your heart, with your, your love and your goodness would start restoring us, God. Mm. And then Jesus, have mercy in the scene to prepare us to be your bride, to be your eternal priest. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. In 2 Corinthians 3, it says, and we all with unveiled faces beholding the glory of the Lord 
are being transformed in the same image of, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who's the Spirit. If you really long for real transformation, it comes through beholding the Lord. And that's what he's talking about, a viewing of him. I love that he said, as we transition um, about beholding him in the word of God. 